Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, in this episode 284. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, that is at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? Doing great. Aaron Judge on pace for 162 home runs by my calculations. Yankees going to be undefeated. Great day. Sounds like everything is going well in the baseball world. Um, I have a fantasy team. I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to do with it, but I do have them. Congratu- so great. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I'll, I'll learn about stickball this summer. Uh, all right, but before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strick.land on Instagram. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you haven't already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. The Strickland also has new merchandise. I'm wearing some of it. If you want to buy it and you want to look at me, you want to look better than me because you could probably make this look better than me, uh, you should check it out. It's on our store that you can access on the website. There's all kinds of new stuff on there. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, sweatpants, shorts, hats, whatever you want, we got it in there. Uh, Check it out. There's a lot of cool stuff in there and there's a lot of cool stuff that is coming down the pipeline. Finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland. This podcast that I host every Friday with Prez, you also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. You also get access to the Strickland mailbag that is hosted every other week by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. the Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There is a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening on our pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. The Knicks um, won a pretty big game yesterday against Miami. They won 101-92. That's a great win. They're now up four on Miami in the loss column. They're just four games up on Miami in general, and they're still two games ahead of Brooklyn in the loss column. Um, So they still have a little bit of cushion, and they might need that cushion uh, because one Julius Randle turned his ankle against Miami, uh, came down off a rebound, landed on Bam Adebayo's foot. Uh, no idea if it's a high ankle sprain. Long, it was just, all we know is it's an ankle sprain. Uh, he isn't scheduled to be back in two weeks. He's scheduled to be reevaluated in two weeks, which would be about a week before the playoffs start, which means who the fuck knows that he's going to be back and what condition he'll be in, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I don't know. I guess we'll just start with that. Um, I, I'm kind of like, I don't, I'm not going to say I'm like, I don't think it matters. I think it matters, but I think the Knicks have enough to weather the storm for the remaining five games of the regular season. I think they should still be able to one clinch a automatic playoff berth and more importantly two uh, get the five seed. 
So I'm not too, I mean, I'm worried, but I'm not super concerned about that part of it. I am concerned about the part where once you're in the playoffs and you need Julius, what condition is going to be in and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, I guess I'll just turn it over to you. I don't know what your thoughts were about that. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I did was look at who we got coming up on the schedule. It's Cavs, Wizards, Pacers, Pelis, Pacers. So there's only one good team there, the Cavs. And, like, if the Cavs beat us, the Cavs are good, whatever. The other teams, I think we should be able to handle them without Julius, to be frank. Like you said, uh, we don't have any, like... We have, like, a little bit of weakness in terms of depth at the power forward spot, but that's also, like, part of condition of the way we run the team, right? Like, we've talked about it in the past, how, for better and for worse, the way OB is used and both minutes-wise and on the court impacts his game. Like, this probably gives him some chance to get in a little bit of a rhythm. We saw we'll, – we'll talk more about it later, I'm sure. But we saw the more – the, the four wings and a, or several wings and a center lineup out to close out the fourth, or not close out the fourth, for the whole fourth, versus the Heat with RJ or Hart, whoever you want to call the four in that lineup. Um, and against these teams, like, it's fine, right? Like, Wizards, I mean, if Kuzma's healthy, he's, he's a big power forward, sure, but he's also someone who you can, like, like, we always put RJ on him anyway, so that's not really – I don't really care about that. The Pacers don't really have any for, a true four. It's just like Aaron D. Smith. The Pelicans' four is Brandon Ingram, I guess, or Trey Murphy. So, like, some form of a tall shooter or whatever. They're not going to bully you inside or anything like that. Yeah, and by the time those games come up, I mean, the Pacers already look like they're embracing a full-on uh, – we'll call it maximizing their draft – uh, They're in go time. <laughs> yeah, they, they they seem ready for that. And the Pelicans, I mean, they have a schedule coming up. That's pre- I mean, I know they're right in the mix right now. Um, but the Pelicans schedule the rest of the way is this. They're at Denver tonight. They have the Clippers at home on Saturday. They have the Kings at home on <laughs> Tuesday. And then they get us. Or Sorry, then, then they have the <laughs> Grizzlies on the second night of a back-to-back that Wednesday, and then they play us on Friday, and they close their season at the Timberwolves. That's a brutal closing schedule. All those teams have something to play for. I, they, they could lose the next four, and it wouldn't surprise me. It really wouldn't. Um, that's a brutal closing schedule. So they might be donezo too. And Washington, I mean, I know Washington loves to never think they're out of it, but like they're pretty close to being out of it. They might start mailing it in too. Um, and not even mailing it in because they'll try to win whatever, but like, you know, Bradley Beal and Kuzma didn't play the last game, right? They played against Boston. So they might already be, you know, looking at that. Um, or at least those two guys might be like, look, I'm good. We're good. Like this is an, yeah. let's just drop out of that plan and secure our, our ping pong balls here. Um, yeah. Let me get to Cancun for variability. (laughs) Let us get to Cancun. Um, so it's not, it's not a terribly daunting schedule, but it's also just like, this is such a shitty time to lose a key player. Um, you know, when you want to kind of be ramping up and getting to your best right before the playoffs, I will say this, 
Um, I've not liked how Julius has played the last few weeks. I think his defensive effort has fallen off a cliff. I don't know what why that is. Uh, I thought it was really fucking atrocious last night. Like, I I never. I'm not going to call it a blessing in disguise that he got hurt, right? But like, I I was really concerned during that game. When he came back, he checked back in, whatever he did in the second quarter. I thought, okay, you know, maybe you start off the game slow, and then, you know, the bench comes in, they kind of get the crowd fired up, and it's tie game again. I'm like, okay, like, forget how you started the game. Let's just fucking go now. And he came in and was just still all over the place. His energy was weird. He seemed, like, super tense. I don't know. It was just fucking odd. And I, I really, look, maybe he turns it around in the game. We'll never know. I just thought the way he was playing, I was like, I did not like our chances of winning that game just because of how he was playing. Um, and that's not to say that he was the sole reason for it because Brunson didn't have a good game. RJ couldn't make a fucking shot in the first half. Um, Mitch, I didn't think had a good game at all yesterday. So it's not like I'm not singling out Julius here, but obviously he takes a lot of shots. He's a high, highest usage guy in the team. I feel like the team might have, the team might have, might have had some, some fun, the night before the game or something. Because there was definitely some... I mean, it varied, and, and Julius was definitely like... I don't know if it was not give a fuck, not respect Miami. I, I know I personally don't respect this Miami team. Like, they're not good. Like, I know they're still, like, randomly scary because they could just, like, go off on foul grifting or Tyler Hero and a bunch of fucking random players can just hit jump shots specifically against the Knicks. But, like, this team is not... I don't know what... They're seventh... I mean, they're they have a negative over, point differential for the season. Yeah, they're not fucking good. Like, they, I, whatever. Like, they're 40 and 37. Like, Gabe Vincent isolation. Like, he, he had some tough shots versus Jalen Brunson and versus Quentin Grind. Like, I'm like, okay, Gabe Vincent isolations. That's the game plan. Kevin Love as your five, getting minutes at the five. That's part of your game plan. Like, this Heat team is a fucking joke. That being said, you can't. You know, that's, that's not what you want to see from Randall is a classic, like, oh, we're better than you. And, like, oh, like, we had a couple of – they had an inordinate amount of turnovers in the first half that were either fumbles or just, like, I thought she was going to cut this way, but you cut the other way, so I threw the ball out of bounds, right? Like, so yeah. there was just, like, a lot of weirdness. And, and I think when somebody – I think that's a situation that in the past we've seen Randall be, like, I can't believe we're losing to these fucking bums, right? Like, for real, these guys, like, they're going to make us play, right? So it, it's very possible that he would have come come back and just been on that type of wave for the whole game. Um, the, the reason that that fourth quarter lineup with uh, RJ Hart, uh, other Hart, <laughs> um, quickly and grinds is so cool is because those guys pretty much have one gear. Or it's their gears are like fourth gear and fifth gear in terms of how they play def- defense. And um, when it's like that, it gets contagious, right? And you saw that with RJ, right? Like when there's no Randall, that means Hart and RJ have to hit the glass more. And, and you saw RJ step up his defensive effort and uh, they were all flying around, even RJ. And, and that's not an accident. So like from that sense, like we've seen Randall randomly like flip the switch. So who the fuck knows? But my point is, like, I, I totally hear that, and... Yeah, and it's just, like, I, I just... It was, like, we, there's no way around this. It was the biggest game of the season. I, I kind of, like, I, I want to say this, though. Some of the people, like, I saw 
like there was a lot of sentiment going around of like like this is like do or die and i'm like guys i like, did not get that yeah like this is not to me this isn't the well, any, even, even in the top five most important games of the season yeah i mean i think i think it's the most important game in the sense of like clearly winning that game gives you a big cushion like that's awesome to have you have the tiebreaker in miami you have a four game lead it's like it gives you all these advantages so i get that part of it but it was like if we lost that game we still control our own destiny so to me, it's like I don't know how you can call that a do or die game or something like that. But it's not a do or die game. And on top of that, it's a game versus a shit team. Like again, I don't care what anybody thinks. Like if it was the same situation, but we had to play like the Wizards to control like more of our standings, people wouldn't be like, "Oh my god!" Like game seven playoff app. You'd be like, "No, we should probably take this game." It's just because it's Miami and people are fucking traumatized from the '90s and the 2000s of Miami, like. And again, I—that's not to excuse like how the Knicks came out, but in well, terms of fan sentiment, people fan are fucking sentiment scared is, of the Heat. Yeah, I mean, I don't care about that, but like, I did think they—I I thought some of those turnovers they were just tight. Like, I, I think they looked tight to start the game. Other than Grimes, Grimes is like the one guy who—I mean, RJ just missed shots. I don't think he was like playing. Yeah, I, I was it today, but, and, and and I was actually surprised because I was—I didn't watch any of his shots, even though I saw the the box score. So I thought he was going to be throwing up some bullshit, but like no, he, he was missing all of them. But I was like, these—I was just like, I felt bad. I was like, these are all like in and out. <laughs> like these are fine. <laughs> and these are those are like they were all all the more important thing is they were all shots that like he didn't force them. They were not like yeah. out of flow. He had one bad turnover at the start of the game. I he tried to like post somebody up. He got it poked away. Whatever. But like, like I wish they went in. But like also keep shooting those. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't taking. He wasn't hijacking the offense. He wasn't doing anything crazy. Um, but like I, Randall and Brunson, I mean, Brunson, I, that might've been like the stupidest game I've seen him play in a long time. He looked like he had no bearings of like how to handle Miami's defense. Um, he kept trying to split, split double teams, driving into traffic. It was just a very weird game from him. So, and that's the second one in a row against Miami's played. So he's got to figure that out. Like, look, dude, they're not going to, I mean, and that's, some, that's a coverage look. He's going to get trapped. He's gonna he's gonna see this stuff going into the playoffs. Like he's got to figure that out. He's got to realize like where the help is. He's got to trust his teammates. Can't always be trying to split a double team. You cannot split a double team fifteen times a game, dude. You're not like nobody's like that. Forget you. Like nobody is like that. Kyrie Irving is not like that when he's at his best ball handle. He's not like that. You cannot do that at the NBA level. So I still think that's the that is for Brunson and just for the whole Knicks team. Really, I think that's the biggest the biggest thing they can get right that they haven't gotten right in the entire season it's just handling doubles like Brunson is so talented that he he does exactly what you said he's like I'm gonna try to like I'm just gonna pretend these motherfuckers can't fuck with me at all and uh RJ and Randall RJ just RJ just doesn't like, really get doubled that much though like RJ get doubled for him RJ sees is, like, help when he drives yeah, yeah but like exactly, that's, exactly. That's different to me. That's not like like oh, that's uh, not like, Miami specific. Yeah, that's and true. and so and and like so whatever. Brunson had a bad game, so I'm again not singling out Julius, but I think there's a difference between how Brunson had a bad game and how Julius had a bad game. Julius did not compete last night. Like there was a play which I shared in our Discord, and like I, I didn't want to clip it and put it out there. Like the guy's injured, fucking let him be. But, like there was a play yesterday where. He's defending Caleb Martin, and this is the second or third game that we played them, and he's had to defend Caleb Martin, who effectively plays like the backup four spot for them. 
And he's just decided, like, that's Caleb Martin. I'm not going to defend him. That's Caleb Martin. Who cares? And it's like, there was a possession where he's defending Caleb Martin. For no reason, he just stops, plants himself in the paint. Uh, Martin gets wide open in the corner, ends up taking a long two because his foot was on the line. But it's like, like and he and at no point in that possession does he move at all. Like, he does not make any effort to recover. He doesn't make any effort to communicate to somebody else, hey, go get him, I got you. Like, none of that. It, and And it's like, there, there was there were so many bad possessions yesterday. I mean, I tweeted out at some point in the, in the during that end of that first quarter where I'm like, it, like, what is Julius even doing out here tonight? Like, because I, I had no idea what he was doing. He was just out there doing nothing, and like his shot selection was atrocious. Uh, and and I think that's that's probably one of the more concerning things I've noted. I've noticed in the last couple of weeks. I've not liked his shot selection. I think his shot selection has gotten worse. He's again started to hesitate more on pulling threes um, when he's open, which I don't like. He's reverted to taking a few too many step backs a game. Some of his drives are weird. He's missed a lot of... He missed, like... There was a game he missed, like, two or three dunks. I forgot who it was against. It was That was the game where, like, everybody on the whole team was missing fucking dunks for some yeah, reason, where he was, missed two, Grimes missed one, and Toppin missed two. <laughs> yeah, that was such a weird game. I don't even know who the hell it was. It might have been Minnesota, actually. Um, the game he had 57, which is funny. But, like... He's just had a really weird energy, and it's this is even before that whole incident, you know, with, with him and quickly against Orlando. Like he just his defensive effort has fallen off. That's just yeah, it's as simple that, as that. that's my big thing for me because like I I haven't had as as big of a problem with the shot selection because what I feel like he's been trying to do and and he's not particularly good at it is he's been because defenses are finally like keying in on him more. He's trying to do the thing where he waits until like the last possible moment to shoot or pass or whatever rather than just making quick attacking decisions and like the process is ugly but like i understand where he's coming from the the defensive shit to me is just like like there's no real reason for that well the both of them are concerning to me and i'll tell you why they're exactly the shit we saw when he went to the playoffs in 2021 and pissed on himself like and, and he like the whole thing of like, you know, I don't want to go fucking 12 rounds about this, but like, you can't, like, it can't, it, it can't, like, there's, he's played enough games during that time period with Brunson too, where I don't think it's just like, well, you know, when Quickly's out there, it's different. It's not the same dynamic. Like, no, it's not that. I mean, yesterday definitely wasn't that. Yesterday was just like, he, I'm going to be honest, I thought he looked shook. I, I thought the pressure got to him. I, got, I thought it got to a lot of those guys. But it always when he fucks up. I mean, this is the thing with Julius because like everything he does is just so noticeable. Mm-hmm. But like when he fucks up, it's loud. And his fuck ups yesterday were so loud. They were so ugly. His turnovers were ugly. Some his missed shots were terrible. He took this pull up three in transition after he made his first shot of the game in like you know with three minutes left in the second quarter. He took this pull up three, which is like like when he makes a couple in a row. I don't mind him taking that shot just because it's like whatever. I don't mind anybody taking that shot if they made a couple threes in a row. It's just like I get it. I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind that three personally. Just that's to me. That's the modern no. NBA. That's not our. That's not our team often. But that's because Julius is the only person. But it's but it's three but it's, point it's, rate is above ten on our team. Like, but it's a bad shot. On like, it's a bad shot. Like, it's a bad shot. For like DeAnthony Melton takes it's a bad like, shot for him threes. in that game. It's a bad shot for him in that game. He didn't have anything going. Like, All right. you can I, get I, I guess I guess whenever. where I disagree is it's like a you can get it whenever, but like if you just we know that like this team 
this team has a goal of just getting up threes, right? Like this is a very analytics based team and they're, they're not alone in that sense. And that's part of the game is like some, sometimes you just have to take pull up threes. That's just not a part of Knicks basketball. And I don't think Knicks fans are used to it. Like there's going to be sometimes if you look at any other team where it's like, okay, why is like some fucking random guy like taking a pull up three? Like, and it's not just like, Oh, we're up or we're down. Like you just have to get, you have to get to 43s and motherfuckers aside from Obi Toppin are not going to shoot like 10 threes a game on this team. So it's on Randall. So like, that's why I don't, I don't take an issue with him kind of, I don't taking take a lot of shots where he a lot I, I of three pointers where that. he has to like feel this shot. Okay, I don't I don't take an issue with that generally. I take an issue with it yesterday. That was a shitty shot in a shitty like you just got the lead back. Okay, you're up two points. You got to you got to stop. You're coming down the floor. You have fucking sucked the entire game. You haven't made a jumper. Okay, like that's not how NBA players think though. That's what but, I'm saying. No, no, dude, no, no, like, no, hold on, hold on. No, no. Right. This is like. There are moments where you need to use your fucking brain and understand situational basketball. Like, you don't need to take a pull-up three there. If you had made a couple, if you had it going, I get it. I'm fine with it. You haven't made shit happen tonight. And you've turned the ball over three times. It's It looked like a guy, what it looked like was him, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta shoot myself into the game. Like, you know, you don't have to shoot your way back into the game. You can make good decisions. You can just keep the ball moving there. You can fucking run a dribble handoff, which I know you fucking love to do. Go run a dribble handoff with Quentin Grimes or with Jalen Brunson or whoever the hell it was. I don't need you to take a... You're running into a pull-up three, three feet behind the arc. Like, no shot. I'm sorry. Like, I'm never going to... Like, if he takes that shot when we played Minnesota, sure, that's great. You know why? Because you were on fucking fire. You take that shot yesterday when you... Didn't have anything going. I just think it's a ridiculous shot. And like to me, it like one or two of those shots in all of the shots you take, fine. When you have like where did he even finish yesterday? One of six, whatever the hell it was. One, he had one of five. Yeah, one minutes. of five. And I would say like all of those misses were ugly. And then it's like you know the misses don't even fully capture how bad it was because he had multiple turnovers. Where like he had one after so after this pull up three, this this possession was incredible. Like it was actually insane. Takes his pull three. It's a brick. Hartenstein, I think, gets the rebound. Okay, swings it back out, and Hart, J- Josh Hart, gets it. He swings it over Brunson. By this time, Randall has actually gotten inside position in the post, so Brunson's able to feed him. It was and a great ca- pass. Yeah, it was a great pass. It's and I'm like, I'm like ready, right? I'm like, this is a layup. Like, okay, like Randall's like two of three now. Maybe he's gonna start get going. He gets the ball, and he just fucking fumbles it out of bounds. And, like, the thing that was crazy about it was he didn't grab it clean, right? But then he gets his hands on it. But then he, like, rushes so fast to go up with it, he just kind of threw it out of bounds. And I'm like, like, it was just one of those games for him where I'm like, there just might, this might just be a night where you need to go be a good teammate. Like, it might be a night where you don't have it, and all you need to do is, like, run dribble handoffs and go be gigantic because you're 6'9", and you're built, like, fucking Hercules. Uh just go be big, go set screens for everybody, roll, pop, whatever, take the simplest shots in the world and focus the fucking lock the fucking on defense. And he just and I just I just like watching that and then and then between him and Brunson yesterday, like to for your two best players to do that in that game, in that moment, like to me with Brunson, I've seen Brunson play well in pressure, 
high leverage situations in the playoffs, in the regular season, whatever, right? So when he fucks up in a game like that, I chalk that up as more to like, he's just, he had a shitty game, right? Shit happens. When I see Randall have games like that in these high le- in a high leverage situation, a high pressure situation, that is really concerning to me because one one thing we know, right, is even this year, and I like I'm with you 100. percent He's obviously had a great season. He's been a lot better. We've talked about this endlessly, like his shot selection, his decision making, his general effort over the course of the full year. Just it's like worlds better, even with some of the late, you know, or the the you know. Uh, fuck up lately where he's like yelling at teammates and shit. It's it's so much better than last year. So there's no question about that. But even amidst all of this, he's still been one of the least efficient players in crunch time situations. We see at the it's not just crunch time, right? It's these end of quarter, end of half situations. How many times have we seen Julius hold on to the ball too long or take some awful shot or whatever the hell it is? It's just not his forte. But like he tries to make it so it exacerbates the issue to a degree. And it just like I'm like when I see that in that game against Miami, and I agree with you. Like, to, like it wasn't like you know, oh my god, what this? If we don't win this game, everything's gonna the season ends. No, but you could tell it was like an important game to them. You could tell you could feel it in the crowd, right? Like Clyde was talking about, it. they're all talking about it. It was a big game, and, and I think they a few of the guys even talked about it before the game, right? Like or after Houston, it was like this is how it was a big game. So they knew they knew what the stakes were. They knew what the pressure was. And I thought they came out tight, and I thought very specifically Julius was really tight in that game. And it's like, if I didn't have, if if the 2021 playoffs didn't occur, I might just be like, given the same Brunson pass, right? Where it's just like, whatever, shit happens. But when I see that, given what we saw from him in that playoff series, it just worries me a lot. I'm not going to lie. And, and it worries me not just because of how he played, but... Like I don't, I'm sure you remember this, but in that playoff series, right? One of the things that was really noticeable was like all of a sudden he had he started reverting back to like these awful defensive possessions where he just wouldn't try and like you know forcing up shots and it's just like a lot of these weird turnovers, weird turnovers for like that you're kind of self-inflicting and and so it's not so much like the one shot or like this play or that it's that whole thing how it felt in that game yesterday. And I'm just like, man, I, and, and it's kind of like been building to this because like, we, like I mentioned, like I just haven't liked his effort the last couple of weeks. I just wonder if like, again, not saying it's a blessing in disguise. I wonder if like, honestly, it might just be good for him to not be on the floor for a little bit. Like he's played a shit ton of minutes. I was talking to Jake. I talked to Jake Fisher about this on Strick and Roll, but like he was, he said that when he was at the Clippers game, he talked to executives from Chicago because they were playing the Bulls and from the Clippers and, you know, people around the team. And they were talking about how this season has been so hard because every single night you're, you're playing for something and the team you're playing against is playing for something, right? Because the standings are so fucking tight from like basically like four to 10 in each conference. And like, I don't, I'm being this very genuinely, like, if that gets the best of guys in stretches or individual games or whatever, I think that's completely reasonable. Like, I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, so I, I do wonder if, like, just having a little bit of time off, and hopefully he gets right before the playoffs, because I do think we need him for the playoffs. Um, like, it would, maybe, maybe that is, like, a blessing in disguise for him personally, even if it's not for the team and ideal for all of that. I totally agree. I, I think 
the minutes load is wild and he will benefit from this if unless it's like a bad bad ankle sprain in which case please i just hope it heals i don't care about any other aspect of this but um as far as taking a break you know we saw that shit with brunson like these guys carry a heavy load and a heavier load than any other players on the team really so like yeah i agree and just i'll say this up just to put a a final bit on that first half. A bow. Um, put a bow on it. Put a, what did I say? A bit? That's not a yeah. fucking thing. Nobody <laughs> says that. <laughs> I'll put a bit on it. Everybody knows what that means. No, I I had a I had a different read and, and I don't I am not saying like the way you explained it, like that that makes a lot of sense and I didn't watch it live, so I definitely didn't have a lot of the like the angst that, that comes with watching a live game versus a team that's fucking annoying with shit on the line and all that. Uh, but just watching the first quarter, like he had four shots in the first quarter and they had all those weird turnovers and the turnovers definitely that's that can definitely be an element of like, oh, we're tight because this game is important and we should be able to blow these motherfuckers out. But instead, it, it has not. to be said, a, Josh Hart specifically had two turn. He had two steals. And on both the steals in transition, he had two mind bogglingly. <laughs> he got a turnovers. He do um, he do it too. He, you yeah. can see it on his face. And I'll, I'll just, to fast forward like temporarily to the second half. I don't think I've ever seen Josh Hart get as many deflections as the second half. That was like he turned into he like morphed into like OG Ananobi for a second there. Um, they, but they that, were all fantastic, man. Yeah, yeah that, that that pressure defense in the second half was was some real unexpected plot twists. Um, but yeah, in the first quarter, like. His first three shots were, I, I thought he was deferring. I thought Randall was deferring a lot. It was weird because we know he usually likes to go out, go shooting as soon as the game starts. And he just wasn't doing that because a combination of weird vibes and turnovers and yeah. other guys were there. And he was trying to like incorporate Brunson as well. So like I... I, to be fair to him, Brunson like just kind of did his own thing for a little bit. So. Brunson was working back into it. It looked a couple of times like I, I think he was wearing the thing on his right hand and he was still getting used to that probably as well. Um, especially the way they were calling that game where who knows how many times these fucking losers probably tried to slap him directly there on purpose um, because that's what the Heat do. Uh, but just, just really watching it, like he... Ran, like he barely shot in the first half, and then even in the second half, he—I mean, the second quarter—he he barely shot, and that's why I think the three part of the three, for example, was definitely like oh, I gotta get I gotta get a shot up to to get get my juju back. But part of the three was also like we need to take threes. Like the Knicks won that game, but they lost the they lost the field goal attempt battle, and they shot like I think thirty threes. Or thirty-one threes, and a most really of, ugly game. It was a, just a hideous game in general. Yeah, I mean, just as soon as I saw the fucking score, because I was, you know, I checked the box score. I was like, oh, this is a fucking two thousand eight ass game right here. I don't even got to watch it to know that. But like, I I think that Randall and some of the other players are actually like pretty self aware of of some of those high level team goals that correspond to their offensive success and to analytics, even if it can get ugly sometimes. And I think that's why. Sometimes Randall's just like, I need to take a three, but I don't want to take this three, so I'm going to hold it and then take this other three, or why Randall might pull up. And it's also why RJ probably sometimes is like, fuck it, I'm going in, <laughs> even though, like, you know, he, could, he might could pull yeah. back or run a pick and roll or something. Maybe, cause, maybe, like, maybe don't go in. <laughs> maybe don't yeah. go in. 
because this, this is just the this is just how we grift, bro. This is how we roll. So like I I, I think sometimes balancing that when a team this is the part where I think and this happens every time except for that weird uh I think it was the first game versus Miami where they turned into like passing gurus for a day. <laughs> it got like a zillion well, assists versus the zone. It's, but it's it's exactly why they were good yesterday down the stretch and it's why I mean I talked about this yesterday on the rundown but it's like it's why I think you quickly last game we played against Miami, right? He he shot poorly from the field. They only had like five points, whatever the hell it was. But I I thought he played okay. And I thought they got really good shots when he was running the offense. And like it, he is the best that group with him, with Hart, with Grimes and Hartenstein, you have your the IQ is the best ball handler on the team in terms of handling pressure defense, traps doubles whatever he's way better at it than brunson or at least i'll put I it know, i don't know I, was, I don't know about that he had a lot of instances yesterday where i thought it was brunson out there because instead of just passing to a wide open rolling player he would just dribble back towards half court like in the second half in particular like yeah i was, think i i feel like we watched a totally different game then because in comparison I mean, he, he to the shots he got of brunson on i i thought the offense was significantly better like the the shot quality they got in the no I, I i think he did um like once he reset it, he was like a maestro. Absolutely, I just, I'm just saying specifically about handling the traps. Like he wasn't like, oh, trap press release. Like he was because that's not what we do. That's just not. It's the same reason right. why we but, don't. But what we I, don't so get that's, Mitch Aliyuk's ever right. But that that's kind of my point. Is like that's not what we do. And given what we do, I think he's way better at it than Brunson. And I think we see that every time we play Miami. Like that's why the fourth quarter was much better than. I mean, that's why Brunson let him handle the ball, even when they were on the floor together, because Brunson was not handling it well. He just wasn't. I mean, it is what it is. And also the way they were calling the game, I think it was it was a really good idea to um, I'm, I'm really happy they start. There's two things that made me happy about this, which is one was letting IQ run it with Brunson there a bit, because we've been calling for that for a while. And we know Brunson can do it right because he did that shit for the entire time of his his play with Luca. It's a way to for one save runs in some energy and for two like you know quickly is he's really good at decision making in those situations and Brunson doesn't get to attack a bent defense often so if that has its advantages as well but for a while earlier in the season it felt like I don't know if it was IQ not feeling ready or Tibbs just being like nah this is how we're gonna do it but like we didn't really see Brunson at the two and IQ at the one when they played together like the lineups together were still Generally, they kick ass because both of them are really good. But like, there was more there by them occasionally switching roles, and that was really cool to see. Um, and then, obviously, in the fourth, when you have the like all connector god level lineup of, of fucking heart heart and all those dudes, yeah. that means your decision making is just like maxed out at all at all the positions, pretty much. Which is like we haven't seen that, and the heat. We're actually the perfect team to test that out again because, like I said at the top, like they run out a lot of bullshit lineups, and they just hope that the pressure can like make team the ball pressure can make teams like be weird, and they can shoot enough free throws and get enough threes, and some random fucking player they pulled up from the Yugoslavian league will like hit a bunch of threes or something like that. But in reality, that shit is a gimmick. So Tibbs is just very loath to adjust his playing style 
to capitalize on what a defense is doing because I think he views it as like a reactive adjustment and he likes to be proactive. He wants them to react to us. But with Randall being out, I think it gave him kind of the cover to, to play with that, which is exactly what you need because there's going to be times even in the playoffs, like take the Cavs, for example. The Cavs have four extremely good players in their starting lineup. But like, who's on their bench? Nobody, nobody, no, nobody is fucking putting fear in my heart on their bench. With apologies to uh, Dean Wade and Chetty Osman. I don't even know who's their backup center. I don't. Do they have a? It's just Mobley. Mobley's like the backup. Yeah, center. they basically just Dean Wade can like kind of. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So like, they're gonna. There's gonna be times when you're gonna have even playoff opponents that throw out some bullshit in terms of like who is out there and maybe your normal game plan is suitable and effective at demolishing them, but maybe it's a lineup that you want to play speedball against, right? Like I know Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell aren't playing transition defense. Like if, if, if those guys are out there with like one of Allen and, and Mobley and not the other, and then random fucking mediocre wings, like, you can make you could argue that our starting bully ball is probably the best thing, but you could also argue that like our speed ball that we saw yesterday is the fucking thing to do because nobody on that team is guarding Josh Hart and RJ Barrett moving fast down the court. Nobody. Well, I mean, what I was gonna say is I just think that group is just better at handling pressure than I mean, I just don't think Randall or Brunson handle doubles well or pressure well. Not, and I don't mean pressure in the sense of like. Like ball pressure, yeah, ball pressure, not ball fucking pressure. like yeah, yeah. the pressure of the moment. I mean, <laughs> we can, we, we, I mean, I don't know. If, I, I don't think actually Randall handles that well either. But that's a separate conversation. Um, when um when IQ did make the quick release pass, it was we must have shot like a hundred percent on those possessions. There was like two or three of them in a row. Um, and that was the other funny thing. IQ just learned so fucking fast that it's kind of cool that he he got those reps as the guy handling that pressure rather than like having to watch Brunson do it or having to watch Julius do it because he just sees that shit and he just learns it like Kawhi style, like uploading a new fucking program to his brain. And then he was just like, boom, boom, boom. I hit the slip pass to, um, yeah, like, to Grimes like, and to Hart. And then those guys are going to kill a four on three. I mean, even I thought at the end of the first half, they had like multiple possessions where it was like IQ and Hart are just, they just know, like they just figure it out, and like he had, I think he had a sequence at the end of the first half where it was like, fed Hartenstein for a layup, fed Hart on a screen and roll, Hart hit RJ in the corner for a three, RJ missed it, fed Hart uh, on the same type of slip pass for a three, or he swung it to Brunson in the corner for that three at the buzzer, like those guys, and then you put Grimes in there. Grimes is good at that shit too. We see, we saw that yesterday. We saw it in the first game. That one for Brunson in the corner was so good. Like that one. What, that what was, did he shoot? What did he? Sh- he shot like fifty percent from the corners in in Dallas, and I, it's something like that in New York. But I feel like he's never there, which is the other reason why I'm like, let IQ do the thing. Now that we know he can do the thing, well, we've been known, but now that y'all know he could do the thing. <laughs> yeah, no, and and I think Grimes, like we saw that in the first time they played Miami at the Garden, like he. He had a number of good passes from that roller mm-hmm. spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had two or three yesterday. He we had one that Hartenstein airmailed at the rim. He had one that he set Ooh, up. I know, RJ. I know. Hartenstein yeah, was he, tight. He, that shit was he a set, point like layup. <laughs> yeah, he he set RJ up for a corner three that basically ended the game. Um, he he was really good in the in that spot. Um, 
And like you have two of those guys that can do that with those two in that lineup. Uh, you have the guard who's probably best suited to drawing the trap out to create the space. You have a big in Hartenstein who, you know, when they tried to uh, trap quickly, uh, he was able to come out to the top of the key at one point, and then he just fed Hart for a wide open layup, probably the easiest he played well. of the night. He played like, like those guys just are able to make passes. So you have your probably your four best passers on the team on the floor together, and why? Mm-hmm. And I and I mean that by like guys that can actually make quick decisions with the ball. Um, I thought Obi actually passed really well in the second half. I thought that was a reason why like the offense looked more fluid with the starters than it did at the start of the game. Um, his alley was great. Yeah, he the had a shot. Yeah. yeah, that was in the first half. But the second half, he had one. You know, he hit. I think Grimes in the corner for a three. Uh, he had a couple of just like really. It, they're not even like they're they're not standout plays. They're just quick decision plays, and it's like they, so they much stand of, out to me because sometimes I feel like they're. You have to be a quick reactor, but he can also he's tall, so he can do shit like that. Even the guards can't do like one. One of the plays was like a cross. Well, the Oop, yeah, that's just one right there. Like, nobody yeah. else is making that pass. <laughs> he he just especially with his long ass arms when he does his like I hold it up like Bill Russell style and just fucking two hand it. Like if someone's open in the corner at the rim, he's gonna find him. So it's like it's great, and that's the other reason why I'm. You know. He's probably not gonna, obviously, not gonna play a ton of minutes in the playoffs. But you never fucking know what's gonna happen. And for those ten, like we've talked about before, like if he's destined to finish out this year in the Knicks, I want him to play those ten minutes and kick ass during those ten minutes, right? I wish it was more, but it is what it is. So him like rediscovering, like, oh yeah, like I'm playing with passers. They're encouraging passing and running, and not just me pump fake and putting up a three, like. That's good for him to get that balance back. Yeah, and um, I just think like they waste a lot of possession. Like the thing with Randall is like he just fucks up advantages a lot of times. Like and Brunson does it too, to be honest. Um, like they both just hold the ball before and, and like they don't make quick swing passes at times. So or they don't pull the trigger on a three immediately and shit like that. Like Brunson's way better about the latter, but um, it's just like it, when you see that and you see the fourth quarter yesterday. Like you, there's just you. You should probably lean into some of these things, even if that means like, yeah, Brunson plays off ball. Like that's okay. You know why? Because he's a fucking sniper. If anything, that's like a a plus. Like yeah, you know, <laughs> it is a plus. We, yeah, we can use him in multiple <laughs> ways. Um, and I just think like it, it kind of is why I'm not again not happy that Julius got injured. But I think it's like intriguing to see what this team looks like in his absence. You can, you can discover stuff. We yeah. saw it with Brunson, right? Like. Yeah, IQ been like it, like sometimes the coach needs to see it spelled out obviously, right? Like that's what happened with IQ. He got to run the show with Brunson out and now it's just fucking undeniable. We, we know that's when Tibbs is very rare for him to do the proactive stuff like he did in the fourth yesterday, but like now he knows IQ's that fucking guy. Like he's going to close. He's one of my best players. blah 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 like you need to that shit just is just a matter of and it's not just Tibbs, right? Like you go back to the beginning of the Warriors dynasty, like shit happened and then David Lee couldn't play and then five championships later or whatever, right? Like that was not a proactive move. That was like, oh, David Lee is out. I guess I'll fucking play Draymond Green or whatever. So like it's it that's how it is sometimes and it's no slander or anything to say like it, it, of course we're not 
happy that Julius is out. Like Julius is the best probable overall scorer and certainly the best scorer at the rim. And that's important for this particular team. But if we can explore other things, especially since Tibbs is is loath to just experiment in the regular season, you know, I joke about it all the time on Twitter. We're probably the only team that has zero zone possessions of defense on the year in the NBA. And Tibbs himself has always talked about, like, you need to be adaptable in the playoffs, which is, like, one of the core ironies of how he coaches in the regular season is, like, the dude doesn't always adapt. But now we have to. We have to. Like, they have no choice because everything revolves around Julius, and now it won't for two weeks. So see what you got, Tibbs. Experiment. Get a little curious, you know. Try some things that might be out of your comfort zone, especially against we like we covered the schedule, right? Like these are the teams you can fuck around against. Like, you know, Trey Murphy's not gonna if Trey Murphy scores like a zillion points off driving to the hoop, then like okay, Trey Murphy, good for you. But like you can fuck around versus these teams and just try shit out. Like, you, like you said, Indiana's in the middle of a tank fest. Like they set heel. Remember the game versus Dallas? Who they set? The one we were rooting for Dallas really hard. They sat like healed. Hallie, uh, Turner, and then they gave up like infinity points to the Bucks or whatever. Like, yo, you can just try shit. Like, it, and I, I genuinely think this stuff will pay dividends for Obi. It'll pay dividends for RJ, who will um, get to play the de facto four a little bit, and um, you know, we'll get to just again, he'll have more leeway to just take shots. And we saw yesterday, that doesn't mean, like, chuck up some bullshit. It just means more good shots. And what he needs more than anything right now is rhythm. And that's really a hard thing to plan out how you get it. It just kind of has to happen. But you need the ball for it to happen. (laughs) So, in that sense, it'll be good. Like like I said before, a lot of those misses he took, threes and layups, were like, they were good shots and dumb shits were it wasn't like awful bricks that were like hitting parts of the glass that basketballs don't touch or something like that. So it, it's really good for RJ and Obi in particular. Um and then uh the last point on this I wanted to bring up, I, I tweeted about it, but like, Well that's great. Last- Hold on before you bring up this last point. <laughs> uh ready for the underdogs, the upsets and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook. The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and two of the tournament. Go to the app, opt-in, and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code XXX. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Win or lose. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code XXX. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. Smooth uh, segue there. No, I was just going to say, um, I love, love, love that we've gotten to see, because of injuries and different lineups, um, Quentin Grimes handling the ball going towards the middle of the floor. Long-time press Twitter followers knew that even back in the 48 days, this was something I clamored for, perhaps too much in light of Evan Fournier's decline from 
NBA athlete to retired Frenchman in a matter of 300 days or so. Uh, but when you're when you're driving from the corner like Grimes does, you pretty much have one thing you got to do is just go as fast as you can and score or pass. And he does that like as fast as any player in the NBA. So it works. But when you're playing, getting screens going to the paint from the top, like RJ does, you can ask for a rescreen. You can slow down and get somebody on your back like quickly does. You can do hezzies like guys with floaters do all the time. You, there's so many different options. And Grimes is not some dude who came into the NBA with no handle. So he can he can shake and bake a little bit. And we saw him, uh, uh, Hartenstein blew the layup, but he, he had a great drive and dime off going middle off of a screen with Hartenstein that was awesome. And like in terms of collapsing defense and passing to the bigs, He's probably the best in the team at that. And we only use that from the corners normally. So, like, just him getting a chance to strike terror into defenses in other ways, especially when he has it going yesterday. Like, he got it going mostly from the corners, like usual. But, like, once a player gets it going like that, you're going to be worried about them no matter where they are. So, um, him leveraging that three to do more than just drive and dump off is another thing we can do. Like, if you think about it, like, there's going to be teams that try to, like, hide players on him a lot of the times, right? Like, if you don't want somebody to get cooked by Brunson or bodied by RJ or Julius, and they're way too small to play center, you'll just tell them, hey, go defend Quentin Grimes. He's going to be in the corner most of the time. He might try to pump and drive, but okay. Like, your center will have your back, right? Like, think of the Cavs in particular. Like, when they're playing those bummy-ass wings, they might just put him on Grimes and say, like, okay, make him drive, and then we have Allen or Mobley waiting. Like, But if all of a sudden they got to chase Grimes up to the middle of the floor and fucking defend a pick-and-roll in space, like, they're going to get fucking cooked. Chetty is going to get cooked. Dean Wade is going to get cooked. All these fucking guys are going to get cooked. Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, if they have to do that, they're going to get cooked. So you have to... You know, you mentioned the Atlanta playoff series and, like, how frustrating it was for... I mean, lots of things were frustrating in that series. But, like, we all remember being like, can we take advantage of Trey? And they just put him on Reggie Bullock. And, like, he was just defending Reggie Bullock in the corner. All right. Like, cool. Now we're better at creating switches. Like, there's lots of times IQ was like, no, I'm going to get who I'm going to get. And they're just going to have to accept that. And, like, the Knicks are leaps and bounds better at hunting switches than they used to be. Um, but sometimes you want to you attack the mismatches through off-ball action, especially when you're talking option, not options like mismatch hunting option one, but like options two or three in the playoffs. They make you look for secondary options to uh, attack weaknesses in the defense. So it's, I, I really do think so much good can come of this um, so long as they play smart and they play together. And, um, you know, they're just gonna none of these like I said, none of these teams strike fear in my heart. And this lineup, just because we haven't used it, doesn't mean it's not good. It's just one of the casualties of the way we hoop. So I, I'm actually legit excited because to me it's a win win. We get to explore all this shit and Julius gets some sorely needed rest. Like again, all with the asterisk that like I hope this is not a really shitty ankle sprain, because some ankle sprains be 
rough. And we know he's going to play in the playoffs no matter fucking what, unless it's like... Well, if it's a high ankle sprain, he's he's done. Mm. If it's a high ankle sprain, he's done for the season. Like, and, And we know the Knicks are weird about designating injury so like it could mm-hmm. be a high ankle sprain and they're just like we'll just call it an ankle sprain and keep everybody guessing like that, that could just be their weird thing they're gonna do but um if it's a high ankle sprain like that's like what six to eight weeks i think the recovery time for that usually um and it's like look he, he he'll miss the playoffs they're not gonna win a first round series without him in all likelihood um certainly not against cleveland i think that's a matchup where they actually you know whatever my reservations about some of his processing and shit but like He's still a large human who needs to defend Evan Mobley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just need size. So I think that's a weird one. Uh, I know that I think I believe both Jared Allen and Isaac Coro are out tomorrow. So that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm not, you know, there's no point in like crying about it because it it is what it is. Like he's injured and the team just has to figure out what to do without him for right now. Yeah. So and, and they um, should and they should like absolutely hold him out during the rest of the five regular season games. Which is why like again, we don't know the severity. Maybe two weeks is well warranted. Maybe it's worse than two weeks. But like even if it was like the wackest fucking ankle sprain of all time that was like weak as shit, like, oh I twisted on an acorn or whatever, like I would hold him out all five games because yeah, it's we want him for the playoffs, dude. Like <laughs> Who cares? So I would just tell the public, yeah, two weeks, he's out, whatever. It is what it is. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.